welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today, and I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Our primary goal at Thrive is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it to your nine to five, to your success at work. Well, today we're going to speak with Bishop Courtney McBath. He is the senior pastor of Calvary Revival Church in Norfolk, Virginia. He and his wife have actually pastored this church for 31 years. He also serves as a leader and a founder of Calvary Leadership Network, which is a group of pastors and leaders all serving the church globally. Also, he's done all of this while also leading Virginia Bible College in Norfolk, Virginia. He's the president there. He's a teacher, a mentor, a coach, and an author and a global pastor. Welcome to the podcast. That's so incredible. I just love I just love that background and what God is doing in your life. Well, I'm happy to be here and uh, glad to be with the folks who are listening in and watching us today. This is just an awesome opportunity. Thank you for having me. I am really interested in your article where you talk about delegation. And I can tell you this, when leaders begin to move up the ladder, oftentimes they're put into positions of leadership because they're awesome at the job they do as an individual contributor. But then once they move into that leadership role, it gets really hard to give things away. So I wanted to just take some time to dive into this article that you wrote in Thrive today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because delegation transitions your team from simple addition to exponential multiplication. And it's, so it's important, not just so that more people get involved, but it literally helps your organization, and your team to grow. And you're right. A lot of us are good at what we do, but we're not good at helping other people to do it. And so we tend to attract a lot of followers if we don't draw many leaders. And that creates a little glass ceiling for whether it's a team at work or whether it's a a ministry or even in your own family. Those things become parameters that can greatly limit what we can do. And so this is a topic that I think will be helpful to everybody. Wow. Well, you know, when I think about delegation, I think about, you know, it's one of those important leadership principles that it's very hard to do. But once you learn how to do it, it's like you said, that exponential effectiveness can kind of really explode in your life of how to do it. So I would love for you to kind of break it down tactically and help us if you're a new leader or a leader that's been leading for a while, but it's something you can just admit, hey, I don't do that well. What are some practical ways that we can start to move towards learning to delegate well? Well, I think there are some reasons why we tend not to delegate. And they all don't apply to everyone, but uh, most of them will find some application of at least one of those reasons. One is failed times of delegation. You know, when we've tried to delegate something and it didn't work out very well. And usually it's because it wasn't delegated properly. I like to say it like this, Natalie, it's delegation, not desertion. And oftentimes because it's something that we'd like to get rid of, We let somebody else have it and we desert them. And that's not really what delegation is. And then there's the issue of trying to prove your significance. So oftentimes, because our significance has been born out of being a great individual contributor, that's what we called it when I worked for Texas Instruments. We called them ICs. You know, everything had an acronym, individual (laughs) contributors. And so you've been good at that. Somebody says, we need to let you manage and lead a group. You don't really do that well because you were good at what you did because all you had to take care of was you. And now there are others now that need you. And then there's there's this whole idea of, well, I don't want them to think that 
I'm not doing my job or that I'm shirking my responsibility or that I'm letting somebody else do it and I'm not doing the job. I think that becomes a critical deterrent from people stepping into delegation. So if we talked about some of the strategic steps, the first one is just allowing somebody to watch you do it and ask questions. So that step of just hey, saying, hey, watch me. I want you to learn how to do this. Natalie, have you ever heard someone say, well, I would let somebody else do it, but I'm really good at it and I don't want the quality to fall? Yes. We're usually not that good. (laughs) You know, we're a legend in our own mind. And so oftentimes because we think we're really good, we think no one else can do it as well. But the beauty of someone else doing it is not only can they get better, but then I can go do something else. And that's how we grow and multiply. So they watch you do it for a while. And then the two of you do it together. Now, this is the missing step for most people, because most people go from you watch me do it. Now I'm going to let you have it. Mm-hmm. That's not a good move. Now you do it together and you watch each other and you ask questions. And then the third step is then you watch them do it. You don't just give it to them and walk away, but you watch them do it, give feedback, ask them questions, let them ask you questions and remain a part of the process. Those are some simple steps to kind of get it started. Now, I know that sounds easy. So I'm sure you have some questions around the challenges that come when you start to do that, because there are some. I do because, you know, what I hear you saying at each one of these phases is there's also this feedback loop. And I feel like this gets into another leadership principle that people kind of struggle with, which is giving feedback. And so you actually watch them do it, you know, and then you tell them, hey, here's some areas where that was really great. It worked well. Here's some areas where you can improve. And I think sometimes people struggle to be able to deliver feedback in this whole process here. Yes, that's a huge challenge is the open level of communication where everyone feels they can talk about what's happening, the process, how well it's going or how well it's not going. And it becomes a real issue. It's very interesting, Natalie, that oftentimes we don't give feedback until we do a performance evaluation. And one of the things that I learned when I was working in corporate America is that any performance evaluation that you give that has surprises in it is a poor reflection on the leader, not the employee, because there should be no surprises because all the feedback you're giving in this annual or semi-annual evaluation should have already been given leading up to that. Those types of relationships tend to lend themselves towards successful delegation because feedback is not a surprise. It's a part of what we normally do is give feedback. Well, I love that. What I wrote down as you were talking is with delegation done right, feedback is actually built in. There's a built-in feedback loop. And so that's helpful, I think, for us as leaders to say, if we're doing delegation the right way, there's loops built in for that feedback. And so that's really powerful because I think that that helps us to frame and understand the care that should go into <laughs> into delegation. It's not desertion, as you said earlier. It, there's some care that goes into thinking through the entire process. Yeah. You know, Natalie, a lot of people think that trust is a major issue in delegation. Now, I tend to disagree with that just a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Because if I have prepared you to replace me, if I have given you what you need to do the job well, then it's not risky. It doesn't require a lot of trust. 
I think what's the real issue is not trust. The real issue is planning and preparation. Even in our hiring process, when we onboard people, I often tell my clients, I say, listen, when you onboard folks, learn how to interview people to see if they'll be a good leader, not a good follower. You ask different questions. You pose different scenarios because you don't want people who just do a job. So I think that's a part of even our delegation process. If we really onboard people with the idea that we want you to lead this, not just follow me, but lead this. Then when it comes time to delegate, it really helps to have a sense that, hey, this is what we've been preparing for the whole time. So this is not a big risk. doesn't require a lot of trust because we've built in the trust through preparation. And that becomes critical, I think. That is so powerful. So I feel like there's this element here when we think about delegation where there's like a fear of of letting go. We kind of talked about that. There's there's the trust factor there, but there's also the sometimes when we empower people, we have to be willing to let them fail or fall. And I think sometimes we hold on to things too long because we're we're not a, we're, we're we're not willing to let people fall or fail. We we feel like we have to save them from that. And part of that is the culture that we build in our companies. Part of success in great companies is you build a culture that allows people to try and not get it right the first time. But one of the things it does is it keeps people from having to lie because they can tell the truth about their performance, about what they did or didn't do, because we're not holding them to a standard that would be impossible for any of us to uphold. And so when I say, I'm going to let you run with this and I empower you to do it, part of that conversation is, listen, you're not going to get this right every time. So, you know, when we we make a mistake, we just figure out how to fix it and we keep going. It's not the end of the world. And part of that is for you as the leader being able to say to that person, listen, let me tell you how many times I blew it. Instead of coming off like you've been just so amazing every moment, say, listen, I've blown this a bunch of times and thank God for grace. You're going to make some mistakes, but it's okay. We really believe you can do this and we're here to help you. Well, I love that too, because that is so cultural, right? If we can help people to fail fast, fail cheap, fail often, but not to fail on the same thing each time. Yes. I think that that's, that's a, a pretty powerful culture to be a part of and to know that I can mess up and it's not the end of my job. Yeah. Yeah. John Maxwell calls it failing forward. I love that. So that's what we want to do. We want to fail forward. We failed, but when we got up, we were further along than we were. And if people can get that, because the kinds of folks that we bring around us, there was a reason that we hired those folks. They were good. There was something about them that was extremely positive. Now, we can't let one failure change all of that because all of us make those kinds of mistakes. So there's the the issue, too, of significance. Mm -hmm. Do I feel more significant when I'm doing it? Or do I feel more significant when someone else is doing it? That I think becomes a question. That's the crux, I think. I think that's the real root of the problem is I feel good and I feel significant when I'm doing this. And if I give it to you, am I giving my significance? (laughs) I'll say this, especially since your audience is primarily ladies, that I think that's even more so true for our sisters in the workplace because of sexism. I think because oftentimes in these corporate systems that are male dominated, a woman is made to feel like she's got to walk on water 
in order to be accepted or be felt that she can lead or that she's good. And that's why oftentimes a woman ends up being so much better at it than her male counterpart because she had to just to get there. Wow. And, and then when you've worked like that to get there and now you start to delegate, then that can create some angst for you. And, and then because of being in that male-dominated setting, I don't know if you've noticed it, Natalie, but men do things at work and they get revered. Women do the same thing and they get booed, you know, (laughs) know, they get criticized for doing the same thing. You know, a man pounds his fist and says, hey, that's not the way we're going to do it. Says, Wow, he's a strong leader. A woman doesn't say, oh, she must be moody today. (laughs) What? She's emotional. Right. Where does that double standard come from? You know, so a man delegates and it's, oh, wow, how smart that is. He's working smarter, not harder. A woman does the exact same thing, and then she's criticized because she's not working as hard. She shouldn't be in this room. And that creates an imposter syndrome that I think women have to work through that's an unnecessary hoop for them to have to jump through. And that can hinder delegation because you have to still make sure everybody knows you're good enough to be in the room. It's an unfair parameter, but it's real. And I know my wife faces it, my daughter faces it, my sister faces it. It can be really tough. That's so powerful. What would you say is a way that people who are just learning the art, because I do think delegation is an art, and it goes into this process that you put forward for us of how to begin to make this work. It's not dumping. It's not just throwing it over the wall and running, but there's actually a, a process that goes into doing this. How would you say you know people can begin to let go? Let's say I have five tasks of various levels of importance. How should people try to begin to release some of these things that they know they shouldn't be holding? Because what they're preventing themselves from doing is higher level things that they could be doing. They could be thinking more visionary. They could be thinking more innovative, but they're saddling themselves with these tasks that somebody else could probably do better, as you mentioned earlier. How do they start to walk through the process of releasing some of these things? You just took away my brilliant response because you shared the brilliant response. And the brilliant response is that I start thinking, what am I doing that I don't have to do? Yeah. One of the best ways as a leader to determine tasks is to say, what am I doing that someone else could do? And anything you're doing that someone else could do, you should consider letting them do it. Because if you're doing something that someone else could do, that means you're not doing something that only you can do. Yes. And so it starts with that kind of thinking. So I'm not losing anything. I'm growing as I release this. And then you start with those things that you know there are other people who can do them. If you've never really mastered the art of delegation, you don't start with the most complex tasks, the ones that you just learned to do last week. You start with the ones that you've really gotten wrote with kind of in a routine because you're better at teaching those as well. And you share those with someone and you follow that simple, those simple steps. You let them watch you do it and you tell them, listen, I want you to watch me. I want you to start doing this. And you get them over the fear by saying, I'm not just going to dump this on you. I'm going to walk with you. And so then we'll do it together. You do that. And then you stay there when they're doing it and continue to give them feedback and start with those tasks that will be the easiest for you to let go. It'll get so good to you that you'll start thinking, well, that's good. This is free. Here's another one I think we'll start with. And then you start working toward that one. And then don't let the failures of the past 
kind of intimidate you and not trying it again or trusting people again, because that can really shut down any opportunity for innovation. That's so good. And there's something in there, I think, that I remember I heard the speaker once talking about the hotshot rule. They're like, you know, if someone was to come in today, you were to lose your job, and they were to look around and say, what are the top three things they would change? Will you go do that? And if needing to delegate is one of them, then, you know, if a hotshot would come in and say, I wouldn't be working on these tasks, I should be handing these off. And then what could you be doing? And I love that thought process too, of like, what could you be working on if you weren't under the pressure of all these things that really someone else in your organization could do? And maybe they would enjoy it much more than you do. And that's the part I love. <laughs> now, Natalie, that's a key. Part of being a leader is me looking out for others and thinking, what is it that I'm doing that somebody else could do? And they would be really excited about doing this. They'd really get a lot from this. They could grow where I'm just doing it because I can, but they could do this and actually grow in their leadership journey if I give them an opportunity to do it. I think good leaders think that way and that type of thinking leads to greater delegation. I have to ask the question, like, does God speak on this topic at all in the word? Like, does he talk about delegation at all? (laughs) Funny you should ask that question. So remember when Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do, and greater work shall you do? Yes. So who could do greater than feeding the 5,000? Who could do greater than walking on water? Who's going to do greater than raising people from the dead? It's not even possible. So he can't be talking about the quality of the work. He must be talking about the quantity of the work. Wow. So through simple delegation, Jesus then multiplies himself into us and then tells us in Matthew 28, hey, I'm going to leave. You all go take the gospel to the world. Would he have been better at it? Absolutely, he'd have been better at it. (laughs) But, But he let us do it because he knew, one, it would develop us, and two, it would allow us to grow in relationship with each other as we walk this thing out. And so I think the scripture absolutely teaches. I think Jesus is the greatest delegator, and I think his ability to trust us to carry out a task that was very important, but he trusted us to do it. He let us have this one. I feel sometimes overwhelmed that he would allow me to be involved in the things that I'm involved in, knowing how amazingly brilliant and excellent he is in everything he does, but he finds reasons to have us do it. So I think it's quite biblical to be a good delegator. Gosh, I love that. And I've never actually stepped back and thought about it that way. He would have been much better, but the fact that he entrusts us to carry the gospel and the message of the gospel and the love of the gospel, that's a pretty amazing thing. I'm sure, Natalie, it would have been done by now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone would have been reached. <laughs> Over. <laughs> it's a wrap. But but there was something for us. And I think as good leaders, we have to think that way too. Even if we actually think we'd be better at it, and sometimes we're not, but even if it was true, but is there something that that person will gain from me allowing them and trusting them with this opportunity? I think it becomes powerful. So powerful. Any final thoughts for our listeners today? Well, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for everyone to grow because both the person who delegates and the person who's delegated to, they all grow together. It really can empower our teams wherever we work to do better and 
You know, Natalie, this is not just feel good stuff. This is economically valuable. This makes companies grow. This makes profit levels increase. This increases the bottom line because now what you have is you have a lot more people who are capable of getting the work done. So now your company's capacity has increased. And when capacity increases, then revenue increases as well. And so I hope folks recognize that these things that God taught us in his word were not just for us to feel good, but they actually make things better, improve people's quality of life and add value to people. So maybe folks never thought about delegation that way, but it's a good way to get your company or your organization growing. I love that. And I think that's such a great nugget for the ladies to take away with them and to just do an assessment of the world around you, of what you're working on, maybe even just start jotting some things down, writing some things down, and then asking yourself, is this something I have to do or can I delegate it? Thank you so much for your time today, Bishop Macbeth. So good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. And I just want to say to you and the ladies who watch you is that I am just so honored to be your brother and to see the amazing things that that you ladies are doing and how amazing you are in everything. And it's my mom's statement I found is really true that a man works from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. (laughs) And, and And I am thrilled to be connected to powerful ladies like you all. Thank you so much. That means the world to us as Thrive Today. Well, thank you guys for joining the Thrive Today podcast. Look, be sure to share follow, like, subscribe, and of course, share this episode on your social media platforms of choice. You can follow Bishop McBath at Twitter and Instagram, and then you can also go over to his website, CourtneyMcBath.com. Well, if you haven't had a chance to get into community, I want to ask you a question. What are you waiting for? Head over to ThriveToday.com and join us on this journey. And as you live your life, don't forget to do it with leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.